Hello and welcome to the Green Techpreneur podcast. Today I'll be speaking to Flash Food founder and CEO Josh Dominguez to share the backstory of the digital marketplace that reduces food waste by connecting consumers to discounted groceries. Flash Food has recently been on Fast Company's annual list of the world's most innovative companies for 2023, ranking first place for the social good category. And today, we'll be able to look behind the scenes to get a glimpse into where the idea came from and what makes the company so innovative. Josh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Can you share a little bit about your background and where your interest in sustainability and entrepreneurship first came from? Was it something that that has has been there since a long time, or did you just have this idea for the for flash food and then sort of jump into the space from there? I always knew that I wanted to spend my time in my career at some point on something to do with the environment. And to me, it's just so obvious. Like you turn on the TV or you scroll through Instagram and there's just like a different city underwater. There's a different horrible storm happening in different parts of the world. Like it's just kind of like the information is all there mm. for people to see and understand how challenging the climate challenge is right now. And yeah. so for me personally, like whatever I was going to spend my time on through my working career, it was going to have to do something with the environment. And the way the flash food came to be was initially my sister was a chef. She called me after a catering event. She's like, I just threw out $4,000 worth of food. I kind of started laughing like, Polly, you idiot. Why would you do that? Yeah. She's like, no, this feeling sucks. Like my boss was over my shoulder making me do it. And so we talked and I calmed her down. And then I started reading about food waste. And I learned that when food gets thrown out, it usually ends up in a landfill, gets covered by the garbage when it rots, doesn't have oxygen. And that whole process produces methane gas. Yeah. So the statistic is if international food waste were a country, it'd be the third leading cause of greenhouse gas emission behind the US and China. Gosh. And, and that's what really drove me into learning more about food waste, where it's happening, how it's happening. And then that led me, kind of long-winded now, but that led me to like talking to store managers in, in Toronto and they're throwing out fresh food with two or three days of shelf life because consumers won't buy it. And so the idea that I had was if there's a way for the store to mark the price of the food down, send me a notification, I could see the deal through my phone, pay through my phone, pick it up in the store the same day. Mm -hmm. People would shop like that all the time. And that's what we built. We took the discount food rack, made it look cool, put it on your cell phone. Mm. Um, so what were the, 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 like, I think that the app market, right, is is very, very competitive. It's a very, <laughs> it's it's so saturated. And if someone came yeah. to me today and said, oh, I, oh, I've got this app idea and I'm going to do this and that, <laughs> I'd be like, great. But, it, you know, is it actually going to work? Because to me, it just seems today that we've reached <laughs> almost the saturation point. So I, I'm just really curious as to, well, what gave you the conviction that it would work and how did you actually make it work? When I learned about how much food waste there was at the grocery store level, yeah. Um, so, so prior to this, I was a, I was a management consultant for a while mm -hmm. and we did a, we did a project on a demolition company and I'll come back to like the app and the value prop, but we did a project on a demolition company prior to my time being there. And all these companies were bidding 12 or $13 million to bring down a building. And the company that I was a part of bid $3 million, ended up getting the job. And by the time they resold all the precious metals, because there was so much copper in the walls, mm -hmm. they made like 20 or $22 million. 
And that got me thinking there's value in waste. There's value <laughs> in people. Absolutely. Yeah. And when it came to <laughs> building an app, and one, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And that was like a whole other thing that will be a whole other podcast. But yeah. two, the value <laughs> proposition here is just so meaningful. If you can drive a shopper into the store who will spend more money while they're in store, like anything that drives a customer into a grocery store is valuable to the grocery store. Yeah. And on the backside, if you can save 50% off on your groceries, I just thought like that value prop on both ends is so obvious if you get this to scale. Yeah. And so what do we have to do to connect those two parties? And it just so happened to be a mobile app that just so happened to work. And the other thing is like, people like writing about this. People like telling the story. So we were able to get a whole bunch of users relatively free or very cheap, very fast in almost every market that we're in, which added the demand side. And we just focused on getting the supply side up. And then ultimately this is a utility app, right? Like just connect people with 50% off your groceries. And that's what we've been able to do. So I didn't go into it thinking we have to have so many downloads. We have to have so many people. It's like, just make this process simple and easy and valuable to the end user. And it should theoretically work. And fortunately that's been the case. That's such a good lesson. I think for any entrepreneurs, like, you know, think about how to make it simple to use easy and valuable, right? That, that that's all people want a lot of the time. And it, it really it really blows me away actually to hear about uh to hear that if food waste was a country it would be the third biggest yeah. emitter of greenhouse gases um it's su- such a massive problem and i think as we transition towards the the circular economy right there's probably this opportunity on so many different levels not just with food food waste but um yeah like you said in construction and and many other industries um so yeah. Was there anything in particular, though, because you, you did say, you know, you, you built something that was, I mean, it's, I suppose it was a no brainer, both for the companies to sign up for it, to, to get more customers in to yeah. actually earn more money instead of just throwing things away and for the customers yeah. to save that money. Um, but was there anything at all that you did apart from that, let's say that that contributed to your successful marketing? Because some of my <laughs> listeners are, are green tech entrepreneurs themselves. And yeah. it's I'm always so, interested in that side of things because you yeah, can have I, the innovation, you can have the idea, but then the marketing is often what sells it. I don't want to come off as like, it was so easy the whole time. This was basically impossible. <laughs> like this was, this has been so hard to do at so many different levels. Yeah. And I, it's like, even in the intro, when you're talking about the fast company thing and the position, even to be named in that list, like this was an idea like yeah. seven years ago and now we're at where we're at and it's just a wild journey. And every time you hear about an entrepreneur speak about building a business, they often founders building tech companies specifically, they often come back to like a few things just really worked out in our favor. And I believe in like, you have to work to build your own luck, but the, we've certainly had some things happen over the time period, but as it relates back to marketing yeah. in our first store that we got, it was a one store test. Mm-hmm. The way that we got our first users was we went to the university Mm-hmm. And we put on like uh, an information session and we gave away free pizza. And we had like 25 people come to this like free pizza event. A lot of them were students just to get a free dinner. Mm-hmm. We told them what we were doing and that was our first set of users. I and love then, it. I love it. It's, yeah. it's, it's innovative and simple marketing, right? But it works. <laughs> yeah. And it was a couple yeah. pizzas. And then the, the thing that we did in every single market, especially really early on, that I would encourage everyone to do 
is we went into local Facebook groups and posted about what we were doing. We didn't do it from fake accounts. We did it from like, I did it from my account. So I went in and said, I'm Josh, this is what I'm doing. We're building this company. This is what we're trying to solve. We're partnering with your local store. And I did that in every like coupon group, mom group, any group in these local communities. So for the first, like maybe after year three or four, I had to go through my personal Facebook and I had to get out of like hundreds of Facebook groups and like, the middle of Iowa, like Western Canada, like all these towns that I didn't live in. I would change the t- I would change the town that I was based on on Facebook, get accepted in all these Facebook groups and then post about what we were doing. Yeah. And that got a ton of our like first early users. Yeah. Well, that, that's very useful insight, you know, for, for, for other companies that want to reach consumers, right? Is just you, you use Facebook, use all the means available, yeah. change your change your location if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so- it's different. It's different now, though. Like you couldn't, you probably couldn't do that on Facebook now because there's less usage. This would have been like maybe six years ago. Oh, um, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. I would. I would probably have a harder time now than back then because I don't think people use Facebook nearly as much. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to share there, but it, it slipped my mind. Oh yes, you have to be with whatever you're building, you have to be so bloody honest with yourself too. Like, especially in the early days, like try to figure out why people won't do a thing. Like you just have to, and you have to come at it from the lens of like, this thing's not going to work. I shouldn't do this Yeah. because we spent our time doing that in the earliest days. And it got people to poke holes in the business from so many different angles to make it better to solve for those things. And ultimately the value prop stayed strong enough. And like people kept going back to stores. They kept spending more money. Like I really believe that in particularly like environmental green based companies, money Mm -hmm. has to flow to a stakeholder Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way for it to really take off. Like it's unfortunate, but it's still capitalism, especially in North America. Like somebody really has to benefit financially. Yeah. And, you have to be just so honest with yourself on what you're doing. Mm, I, I I really like that actually. It's just to keep, you know keep 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 on asking the reasons why it's not going to work yeah. to make sure you refine your idea, and then you have a stronger conviction, right, that it will because you've actually really tested it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, you don't, why. Or, you, or you don't do the thing because it's like so obvious that you shouldn't do it. Like you have to be that honest with yourself. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a seven year journey for you with a lot of ups and downs. And you said that there were, you know, there were some bits of luck along the way. Is there anything that you could share? Lena? was there? Of course. That- we got we, we got accepted into Techstars Retail, which was in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Minneapolis for three months and I lived there and we worked at a Target's head office because it was based in partnership with Target. And there's something called Mentor Madness during that program. Yeah. So Techstars is a business incubator, accelerator. And there's something called Mentor Madness. So you meet with 10 different people a day for 20 minutes and they poke holes in your business, almost like speed dating. And at the end of it, they get to choose if they want to be a lead mentor for you through the program. Oh, wow. One of those days was executive day. And we had five of the top 10 people at Target who were in the, the meetings with me. And I ended up getting the chief strategy officer at Target and the CEO, Brian Cornell, as my lead mentor. And so I'll still, prior to COVID, I'd still go back to Minneapolis every quarter and meet with Brian for 20 minutes, just in like a mentoring capacity, which was like just so massive for my personal development and the 
just letting him have a lens into what it's like running such an early stage startup. And then conversely, yeah. like me getting a lens of what his day in the life of is and what he cares about. That was fascinating. But at the same time as all of that, we ended up getting accept- we ended up getting a pilot with Loblaws, the biggest grocery chain in the country. And that was just happenstance. I took somebody introduced me to a former executive. I took him out for dinner or for breakfast. He's like, I think so and so is gonna like this. He introduced me to this person. I met with this person. I told her the exact same story I've been telling everybody else for three years. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna give you give you guys a chance. I'll give you three stores in this like one town outside of Toronto. Wow. And that was it. We executed on those three stores the same way that we did with other smaller grocers in the past. But because Loblaws is the biggest company in the country, they saw what the financial ROI could be at scale. Mm-hmm. So we did that three-store pilot and they're like, okay, check. Like we're rolling this out across 400 stores. So we went from three stores to 400 in a matter of like five or six months. And it was all because I got connected to the right person who like used to be an executive there. And that took three years for that to happen. Wow. And, so, and we so were just like, we just happened to be like ready to execute on that kind of opportunity. So if that introduction didn't come and that chance, that executive didn't take a chance on us, we would have never been talking. I would have been doing something else for the last six years. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's like, it's it's perseverance yeah. and luck. <laughs> yeah. It Com- really is. Combination of the two. And did you ever have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you had some, some difficult moments on the way, but did you ever have like a point where you felt like giving up? with a project and if so what what kept you going uh, yes <laughs> that happened like almost daily oh my god <laughs> this really is real long. honesty from an entrepreneur yeah no i mean it's just the truth Even, it's the truth uh, i agree yeah 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 what keep what kept me going um So it's different waves. I joke that like every day in my life is the best day in my life and every day in my life is the worst day in my life. And it's just based on what email comes in and what it's in. (laughs) I can relate. I can really relate. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to be even keel at all times and never get too high, never get too low. (laughs) I think now where we're at and like seeing what some of the shoppers have said, like one of our top shoppers is a young mother who had three kids. Her husband got laid off during COVID and she wrote us and she's like, Without flash food, I couldn't be able to afford to feed my kids. Wow. And like what that did for us is we had so much money saved that we didn't expect that for Christmas, we were able to get our kids a whole bunch of candy as stocking stuffers. And they came downstairs and they didn't expect to have anything. And their faces just lit up seeing these stocking stuffers. Like that one story sticks out to me. Wow. Um, So in all of like, through all of the things that we've done over the past few years, mm-hmm. I think the thing that's kept me and the company collectively going is that if we don't pull this off, I don't think anybody else will. I think it's just so hard to do this in the grocery sector specifically. And I think yeah. we're the best in the world at it. And I don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. And that collective, like we need to pull this off yeah. at massive scale has been not only like what's shown through to um the team and all of us like believing in the mission, but also like to grocery executives. Like when I sit down I was meeting with them this week and you sit down with them and you're like, nobody's going to care more about this than we will on behalf of like your company. And that when it's authentic really comes through and people want to be a part of the journey. Like whether you're an executive at a big company, whether you're like an engineer who could be at Facebook, who happens to be at flash food because you want to make an impact. Like everybody wants to feel like they're belonging to something. Yeah. And we certainly have that. And there's a mission behind what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think without that, this would have been shut down a long time ago. 
Mm, those are those are again very very important points. Is you know, it the, the mission, the focus on the mission, and the sense of belonging as well, right? Yeah, that, that you know can come so- with being part of a of a of a good team and and a company that has a great mission. What's funny about that is like <clears throat> early in my journey, I was like, <clears throat> excuse me, early in my journey, I, early in my journey, I was like mission statements, like values, like the stuff is just such fluff. Like it's yeah. not like what is this? Now we're at like a hundred people, and I just <laughs> the mission of the company is to reduce the environmental impact of food waste and feed families affordably. I have to go back to it so often because communication is so tough across so many people, especially mm-hmm. being like remote first. That it's that's one thing I've learned that I was completely wrong about at the start where I was like, Oh, this stuff is like fluff. And now I'm like, you need to revert back to these things mm-hmm. like daily for people to remember why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's a good point. And, and especially as the company grows, right. To make yeah. sure that everyone, everyone who comes on board is part of the, that mission and, and vision. But so speaking of impact though, do you have any, any metrics that you can share any impact metrics? Yeah, we've, so to date we've diverted and I'd have to look at the updated numbers. I think you would have them on a list, but I just can't get into that document. And my person who owns the document is on the West coast. So it's a three hour time difference. So she's definitely not awake. Um, <laughs> but I think the most recent metrics are we've saved shoppers over $160 million on their grocery bills over the years. Wow. And we've diverted over 60 million pounds. It's probably higher, but over 60 million pounds of food from landfill, which is the equivalent of driving something like probably 55 to 60 million kilometers in a car of greenhouse gas emission production. Like it's crazy to think about the numbers have just gotten so big and we're still so early in our journey in terms of what we can accomplish that it's, it's really humbling to think about. Yeah, it, I mean, th- those those are really amazing figures, right? Yeah. So, so sixty million dollars worth of food waste saved, and then and, and also just the fact that the world is living through very difficult, turbulent times yeah. right now, yeah. and it is hard for a lot of people, and the cost of living has gone up. So, creating you're you're creating a solution to multiple problems. You know, it's it's a there's there's a social need and a social problem out there for cheaper. Yeah affordable, um, good quality food, right? I was on Instagram this morning and one of my friends who's not a food person just posted like peanut butter, peanut butter was $11. And they're like, where do I live? Switzerland? Like what? Like this <laughs> is a person in Canada, right? They're like, where do I live? Switzerland? This is a non, this is a person who's like independently wealthy. They're a former professional athlete, yeah. like basically tweeting or putting on Instagram about this. And I'm like, wow, like imagine being just, a person who has to work for every paycheck and has to support a family and have that person would be feeling. Yeah. And it, one of the things about our company is that like, you can't get paid to feel the way that we're feeling mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like what some people are saying, like you just, it's so impact- <clears throat> impactful to so many families mm-hmm. at a time when people need to save money more than ever. So it's, again, I'll, I'll go back to the word humbling, like being grateful for the opportunity and just, yeah the ball is in our court to keep executing, which is probably the most fun and exciting part about this. Yeah, that's awesome. And what does the future hold as far as scale up or, or further innovation? Yeah, we are. So we, part of this fast company announcement is that we are accepting SNAP and EBT as a payment method. So SNAP and EBT is basically just digitized food stamps in America. 
And we've now been able to accept that on the Flash Food app on behalf of some of our partners. So that would be the biggest uh, innovation immediately. The second thing is we want to start, like, well, we already are starting to ingest the data around, like, dynamic pricing and progressive markdowns on the app so we can know what price point basically guarantees the sale of a product in different markets based on population, based on weather, based on all kinds of things on a pure skew basis for the retailer, which is really valuable for them because we can get to the point like early on in our one of our first stores, they put on tuna salad sandwiches, tuna salad sandwiches on white bread, and they made it available like 35 times and it didn't sell once and it was 50% <laughs> off. And I was like, you folks need to stop making these sandwiches. Nobody wants these sandwiches. Like, just stop making them in your commentary. <laughs> so feeding that information back to the retailer in real time, I think could be really helpful for them, which like would reduce food waste earlier on in the process. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of it is the world is a really big place. Yeah. And food waste is a challenge in every developed at food waste at the grocery store level is a challenge in every developed or developing country around the world. And people need to save money on their food. So the way that we're like, we have global ambition and the way that we're thinking about this is like, again, if, if we don't pull this off, I don't think anybody will. Mm-hmm. So let's win America, continue to scale stateside across America, and then look at international markets next. And that'll dictate where we go next, but we want to be everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a needed solution. So there's also, there's I, an, hope, I hope to see entrepreneur. it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just, I hope to see it continue to grow. Yeah, thanks. I was going to say as an entrepreneur, like there's very, I don't have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this one has been a good idea that's scaled and we've gotten to this point. And I don't think there's going to be many opportunities in a career to scale a company this quickly at this scale. Yeah. Like we should be an inter- international company and that's the way that we're thinking about it. And it's just really exciting to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. No, for sure. And I mean, there, there are probably, as you go as well, other opportun- circular economy opportunities yeah. Um, yeah. To, to do more with the food waste, right? Like with, with yeah. the stuff that is thrown away, if you've already got such mm-hmm. such scale with the grocery stores. I mean, I, I spoke to someone, uh, GoTerra, and she's got this sort of, uh, this this robotic, well, she uses, she uses maggots um, to eat yeah, food yeah. waste, and it's all in a yeah. robot. And then you get sort of chicken feed and other stuff coming out the other end, which is again valuable. So I, I think yeah. there's there's so much opportunity <laughs> once yeah. you have all of these contacts and all this scale within the market to then link up possibly with other climate entrepreneurs who are who, who are involved in other aspects of of the food waste economy. And it's so- yeah, it's so funny that you say that. I was literally meeting grocery executives this week of a company that we're not yet partnered with, but it's a massive company. Yeah. And we went through like a map of ge- geographically all of the food waste solutions that they have for their different stores. And they spoke to like, we can't do this over here because it's too remote. We can do this over here because it works. And like the chicken feed thing is one of the things. And yeah. and then we sat down and whiteboarded all of the areas that they're looking to attack food waste. And this is not their main priority. They have to run a business. So this is like one facet of one facet of like their responsibility and their roles. And it was just so cool. Cause I'm like, listen, we have scale now. Um, and I want to help whatever's going to make this easiest to connect all the stakeholders so that you don't have to think about food waste ever. Cause I just genuinely care. Like it's not going to financially benefit flash food as a company, but it's like, this is the space that I'm in and yeah. I want to help. So it was, 
we're gaining a lot of trust with our retail partners and that's opening up opportunities to like connecting with other services and it will continue to over time. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll just move into the final five questions that I ask green techpreneur sure. interviewees, um, which are a couple of things about you. Yeah. Um, what, do you have a mantra or life philosophy that you follow? <laughs> yeah, it's called hold on to happiness. I have it tattooed to my arm and my sister-in-law passed away. Um, she was a doctor. Her name was Barbara and she was the best. She passed away to cancer and, uh, battled it for a few years. She knew kind of how bad it was. And the whole way that she carried herself was with grace Mm. and like fought kind of until the end. And it was just such a good person. And she had a playlist that we listened to like in her last few days. And one of the songs was, uh, it was hold on to happiness. And it's just something that like, you're going to have ups and downs. Like there's going to be good times. There's going to be awful times, but like, yeah. For a lot of people, if it's not chemically connected in the brain, like you decide the outlook that you're going to have on any situation. Mm-hmm. And even when things get really difficult with the business in particular, it's like we're selling discounted groceries. Like chill, everyone. Like, we're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like take a step back. We're trying to do a really hard thing. We're spending yeah. a lot of time on it. We're trying and trying our best. Like let's just keep doing that. Yeah. And then in the back of my mind, it's just like, hold on to happiness and do what's going to make you happy because we don't have a lot of time. Mm, I, I can I can relate to that one, actually. My dad um, had a similar journey with cancer <laughs> and was a, yeah. was a similar example to me of, of just enjoying whatever moments you can and being stoic, I guess, about whatever is thrown your way. Um, yeah, so to hear that the cancer sucks. Yeah. So what do you do? Uh, well, do you have any, any daily rituals that help to keep you grounded? Like you said, it's, it's a constant roller coaster Yeah, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I used to play hockey at a really high level. I was basically a professional athlete and then like went into finance and banking and got fat <laughs> really like wasn't eating well, like wasn't taking care of myself. And then started flash food and things were like really, really busy at the beginning. And somewhere in the journey, I'm like, if I don't focus on my, like challenging myself physically once a day, at least. And if I don't do that over a span of two or three days, everything else gets worse from what I'm doing. I'm like more edgy. I'm, I don't listen as well. Like I actually am like a worse person if I don't challenge myself physically. So I don't have like, we've got a 14 month old and we have my wife's seven and a half months pregnant. So like in terms of like waking up at X time, doing an ice bath and all that stuff, like that is not my life. It's mayhem, <laughs> like the little one the sick, ice bath like, is trending right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like my wife is like down for the counter. She's sick. Like I'm basically not sleeping, trying to take care of everything. And then I'm like traveling all over the place. So what I will do, though, is make time for myself once a day to challenge myself physically, whether that's a bike ride, whether that's a run, whether it's like a circuit workout. And that keeps me grounded because it takes my mind off of hopefully if I train hard enough, it takes my mind off of like other challenges that I'll have and it kind of recenters me. Mm. But that's like it needs to happen for me. Otherwise, I get a little loopy. Super, super important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I mean, well, well, let's say most people write uh, on your average day, I think you don't go through as many ups and downs or extreme ups and downs as, as you do as an entrepreneur. So I think that, you know, the topic of well-being, personal development and just staying grounded is super important to talk about. 
is there a, a mentor or role model who's been highly influential in your life? I, I know you already actually did men- mention one. <laughs> yeah, Brian Cornell. Uh, yeah. Early on, there was a gentleman who ended up joining our board. His name is Alex Moorhead. He's since no longer on our board, but he was really, really helpful for me in, in the early days. He was actually a co-founder of uh, Nectar, which is a loyalty points program in the UK in partnership with Sainsbury's. Him and another one of my board members started that company. And early on, he was really helpful on like the specifics around the economics with the grocery store and how the grocer has to win in this equation. And that was very, very helpful from the beginning. Um, that basically like gave us a chance. Yeah. And if if you could teleport yourself into the future and be anywhere doing anything, where would you be and why? It would still be running flash food um, because like the impact is so massive. And then in addition to that, we'd hopefully be a little bit bigger that I'd spend my time on cancer in one way or another. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know much about it, but like that is something that's really important to me. So those would be the two areas and I have no idea what I'd be doing. Like flash food, I would still be very involved as a board member running the company, whatever that looks like, like solving this problem at scale in multiple countries. And then the second part would be like, how do I meet as many people who are as smart as they are around cancer and learn as much as I can? Mm, But both very, very valuable problems to tackle. There's a blood test nowadays that actually the people can do and it can detect most types of cancer. So I I think those those kinds of um, breakthroughs are really important because a lot of it is in prevention or or just, I mean, catch, catching it early, right. Catch it early. 80% of the time you're okay. (laughs) Catch it. So I I think maybe even just spreading awareness around those kinds of things and making it a norm for people to get tested is, is really important. Um, But yeah, it is. I'd imagine there's ways you can commercialize or scale something fast that's already like been proven that yes. that's how I think about it. But yeah, I would love to learn more about it. And I would imagine there's a bunch of things, the blood test I read about, but like several others that different kinds like different cancers are so different, but mm-hmm. those are the things that I'm interested in. Yeah, that's great. All right. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, Marianne, this is awesome. I'm really grateful and thankful that you reached out and, I'm really happy to be part of it. So thanks for having me.